Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Polina Barskaya is an artist who was born in 1984 in the Ukraine, who lives and works in Brighton Beach, Brooklyn. She studied at the Pratt Institute in Hunter College. Polina has exhibited nationally, and her work has recently been included in shows at Honey Ramka, Manya Rowe Gallery, Adam Baumgold Gallery, and John Davis Gallery in Hudson. I visited Polina at a Brighton Beach home studio, and we talked about her youth always on the move, family, scale in painting, her love-hate relationship to New York, and much more. Here's our conversation. upset and I totally understand and it is beautiful it just calls you to look at the horizon line and you came when the sun is out so which has been rare it's been rare and it makes a really big difference around here yeah is it real kind of um down when it's gray yeah yeah this is one of those places where it's absolutely bleak if there's no sunshine it's kind I was thinking about this um it's like Los Angeles Oh, yeah. Uh, it's one of those places where it's always sunny, but if you're there on a day that it's cloudy, you realize that it's actually a really bleak place. Oh, yeah. So the sun my, masquerades. The, the one thing that makes it seem very special. Right. But you probably get a lot more gray days here than L.A. does. That's yeah. a bigger... Yeah, that's the problem. That's the issue. Yeah. Yeah, but it's still it's still nice, though, right? It's nice, but um, it affects your mood. Yeah, I like it. I even like how it looks when it's bleak, especially right. if you're like right near the water. Yeah. Um, but it's dark. But I feel like when you're near the ocean, no matter what is you know what you're doing there, if it's winter or summer, mm-hmm. if it's not sunny, there's a little bit of a letdown. Like you right. feel a little oh, yeah. like oh, I'm yeah, missing yeah, yeah. what this Absolutely. could be. Yeah. Whereas if you're walking down you know 14th Street, it does not matter. As you're much. like, well, it's gray. Whatever. Yeah. You know? No, no. Here, yeah, it's all about the you sun. You notice it. Like, when I see that it's sunny out, I feel like I have to go outside. But yeah. if it's not, I can stay home the whole day. That's true. Yeah, and if it's warm out, you probably it's probably really hard to, yeah. to stay in. Yeah, Very So hard. what's that like, having your studio so in that situation? Well, know? when I say go outside, I mean for, like, an hour. So oh, okay. it's not like Not spending the whole day on the beach. No, I don't do that anymore. When I was younger, I spent yeah. all my days on the water. Yeah. But, um... No, no, it'll be like to take a walk right. at most, maybe two hours if it's really warm and perfect. Yeah. But that's it. But are you a beach person? I Yes. I don't love this beach as much anymore right. um, as I used to because we travel in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so... You've gone to different beaches? I've gone to different <laughs> beaches and it's really hard to um, appreciate this one as much. Right. Um, well, the, and the water's tra- cold yeah, in the summer, cold. so it's not like, you know, walking into this, like, beautiful, bright blue, warm right. thing that everyone Crystal clear. Yeah. yeah, it's not that at all. Right. Um, sometimes it even smells like dead fish sure. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking yep. about? Um, so I am actually a very much a beach person, just mm. not so much this beach. 
at this time. But so the big question is, did you come to this specific neighborhood because of the beach and neighborhood or is it ethnically a, connect- ethnically, it's a connection? Completely. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a good segue into where you grew up. Right. I grew up on and off on Brighton Beach since coming to America. Mm-hmm. Um, what year did you come here? 89. Okay. Um, which was a big uh, immigration yeah. to America mm-hmm. from Soviet Union. Right. Um, so I came in 89, and the first place we ended up in America was Brighton Beach. My aunt and uncle lived here, so I stayed with them, with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I mean, for like, I don't know exactly the, you know, the amount of time, but my parents stayed at the St. George Hotel, in Brooklyn Heights, which mm-hmm. was kind of like a shelter, but like for immigrants. Right, like a landing. Um, or like half shelter, bed. half a place for them to stay, like that was made for them. Right. Um, I stayed there a couple of days. Uh, and then we lived in Brooklyn. My grandparents, I think, settled into Brighton Beach first. And then I lived, I mean, I lived in a lot of places mm-hmm. in the tri-state area. Yeah. But, um... I think in I was, a short amount of time. In or? a short, my parents moved a lot. Yeah, um, yeah a lot. Um, so I lived here. I lived on Manhattan Beach, where you might have parked, where the like small yeah. houses are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, a lot of time. And my grandparents were always here. So in the summers, I basically was here all my life. Right. So. So. Every summer. Well, wait, how old were you when you came over? Five. <clears throat> Five. So you, but you speak, you're bilingual. I speak Russian like a five-year-old. I never really... Oh, you didn't take any... Well, you have family. I have family. I speak to them. I mean, I don't have like a great... Right. But you're bilingual. But I can speak Five is like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand everything. You were there long enough to get the foundation. Yes. Like when I watched movies in Russian, I understand them. But you were young enough to not have an accent. Isn't it interesting? It's, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, if it, I think, isn't it like eight or Yeah, then nine, I would always have an accent. Then you can't shake the mm-hmm. accent. Some people still say they hear something when I talk, but mm. I don't think... I mean, a lot of people wouldn't even know that I'm Russian. Right. So... Yeah, but I mean, I'm... I have a Pittsburgh... Well, not anymore. Okay. I've, I've kind of covered it up, mm-hmm. but I grew up speaking, like, Pittsburghese. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people don't know what that sounds like, right. but there's a certain sound to right. it, you know? And you kind of sound you talk like your parents talk in a way right you You learn that sort of yeah exactly even if it's not specific words or like an accent Mm -hmm. it's just there's something like an inflection there that's you know a tip off yeah and if people sometimes people have a really good ear and they'll be like you're from pittsburgh right and they're like wow that is amazing i wouldn't know what that's like what that sounds like right there's and that's a i mean there's certain places like you know Long Island or Boston uh, yeah. or well, Chicago, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, too, yeah. yeah, that are, you can pick out in yeah. a second. But there's a lot of other like regional yeah, dialects yeah, yeah. that you know right. that are baffle. It's fun to pull out once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, that just completely confuse people. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Well, I think my Brooklyn accent comes out every like once in a while mm-hmm. too. Like yeah. not on purpose, but it just it's there. Right. So yeah, that's you're not even to. conscious of it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny too how accents. Like, the Pittsburghese accent is really kind of like this Eastern European, like mm, German, right. Polish, and, like, there's that. Mm-hmm. Well, especially, I guess, like, Pennsylvania Dutch, right. there's a big kind of connection between it and mm-hmm. that. But it's been mutated over, like, you know, decades and decades. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how, like, different areas 
how ethnically it shapes it, but then it just becomes a style of speaking. Mm -hmm. So when you came here, you hopped around for, you know, how long were you kind of moving? I mean, always, every couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like my parents were really young and um, they were obviously trying to make it in the United States. Um, So first they, you know, lived with my grandparents, I think this was like in near King's Highway. They lived in the same apartment, mm-hmm. and then um, they rented something on their own. And then at one point, when I was in like I think fifth grade or fourth grade, we moved to New Jersey because they like started. They had their own business, so they had a little more money. And their friends, my uncle lived in New Jersey and they showed them like these communities mm-hmm. um, where they build you know like these homes that are all the same yeah yeah um, but they're really pretty and they're a million times bigger than anything you can have here what so, do you remember what area that was It was in Ocean Township okay um, which is near um, a near it's like near a place where I think Kevin Smith is from what's oh, that place yeah. called you know what I'm talking yeah, about yeah yeah, um, we would go there. It was, like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. I roughly know that. Right. Area. It was also on the beach. Yeah. So, near a beach. Um, so, they bought the house, and they would commute back to work in Brooklyn. Um, and I went to, like, a real school, like, a real gigantic first time, maybe only time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it was, like, thousands of kids. Right. In this, like, in the movies. Right. Um, Overwhelming? Yeah, I didn't like it, actually. It was not my thing. Too much. It was too much. It was so hard. Like, just all the, like, politics of the friendships. And it was, like, harder than anywhere else, I think. And did you have to pretty much learn English on the fly? Yeah. Or did you already... Were you already learning? Well, I learned English when when I first came here. So in kindergarten and first grade, I was basically learning. Right. Um, but I learned from television. I think that's how most of my friends learned. Like, yeah. like I went into kindergarten, it was hell. And then during the summer, I watched TV and I spoke English. Right. So, because when you're that when young, you're younger, yeah, you can learn. Yeah, you just, yeah. you can pick it up. Um, so, yeah, so I learned English pretty fast. Um, and as a young girl over here, were you interested in creative things? Did you start drawing? Or was that something that that early that you were into? Yeah, that was something I was always doing. Um, I feel like I always thought I was an artist. Like, I always said that um, from early on. Um, What did your parents do? Or were they just... They had just had to find something to do? Or did they have a specific job? Yeah, a lot of... um, My mom was really young. I think she just finished... I mean, she was, like, she had me when she was 18. Uh-huh. They were married. Um, it was a small town in Russia. So I don't remember what she was. She got a degree in something. I mean, there were, like, the degrees you get if you're, like, a Russian Jewish person in mm-hmm. Russia. And my dad was an estimator. Mm-hmm. So he used those skills here and got a similar job. Um, Can you imagine 18 and having a kid? I can't. I can't imagine that. And then also immigrating with a kid. Because she's a kid at that point, really. Yeah, when I think, I mean, yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Now like, I, I'm like, wow, when no. I was that age, she was raising a child and I was living at home, like, off of, living off of them. Yeah. Still. So, no, I can't imagine. Um, so now I'm starting to appreciate it. Uh, only <laughs> it now. It takes a little while. It takes a while. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so 
they yeah so they were doing jo- like real jobs there were no like oh I wanted to be in the arts kind right. of jobs um, and I'll be a curator <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah just some, or a, like a filmmaker right. why not um, there are grants yeah no they were doing real jobs making money um, and then my mom started working in a shoe store in Brooklyn Heights and then a few years later they bought that store mm-hmm. and then so they basically for many years um, were opening shoe stores in New York yeah. um, together so my dad wasn't working as an estimator anymore for a while right. um, and for one year living in New Jersey and that didn't work out mm-hmm. um, so they moved back yeah. so that They're was like, like I can't take this jersey <laughs> no one they like got into a car accident during this time because they were commuting every day yeah. um, so that was probably like a bad feeling you right. know um, and then yeah New Jersey was very strange for yeah. us I didn't enjoy it at all now that I think I mean just it was so hard because you couldn't leave your community and obviously I couldn't drive my parents were at work so I was either with grandparents or sometimes a babysitter and you must have felt so unsettled too like because you're not really planting roots anywhere no so it's just everything's overwhelming yeah imagine but it was always like that there was never any like root planting you know what I mean? Well, did Ever. You, you know, you never really settled in? No. So I would. So I left that school, and then I went to another school uh, in New York. There were so many, I don't even think I can remember how, all of them right now. But um, I definitely went to more than one junior high school. And then I went to school in the city at one point, and we lived at that point in Carroll Gardens, mm-hmm. um, where they had a store. <laughs> So, I mean, it's a lot, actually. I would have to, like, sit down and write all of it. Right. Um, And then, finally, they moved to Manhattan Beach. They bought a house there, um, which was also close to both my grandparents, Mm -hmm. who were getting, who are, who were, at the time, at the time, it was, um, I had both, my uh, grandfathers were still alive. Mm -hmm. But um, they all lived in the same area, which made sense. Did they come over before? No, together. Okay. We all came together. Um, the only people that were already here were my aunt and uncle. So we came with both grandparents, my other aunt and uncle, and mm-hmm. we were all like traveling together the whole time. So It's amazing, too, because, I mean, this area has really maintained a Russian... It and, has, yeah. You know, Ukrainian... It's changing and, a little. Right, but, but I mean... slowly. Uh, yeah. Slower than most New York slower than most. changes. Surprisingly, yeah. actually, because it's really not that far. Like, I can't believe people aren't moving and here. And beach. Yeah. Which is very desirable. Yeah. Not just for yeah. people, but developers yeah. and all that. Well, I will say that's probably why a lot of the younger people who are having kids are staying. Staying, yeah. Yeah, because they have, like, this boardwalk to walk on. And right. It's not as expensive as other places, you know, but especially if you're be, renting. It will be eventually. It will be. Like, well, I see, I sometimes, I, I go to Coney Island mm-hmm. occasionally, and I look at houses, and they're yeah. so cheap. I'm like, they're run down or empty or right. whatever, but I'm like, you buy that, and then, yeah. you know, if the water levels don't rise up and people, right. <laughs> then you're, you're set. Yeah. Because eventually, it, I mean, Coney Island eventually will be, like, you know. I think, yeah, it has to be. And, and the trains are so easy. Yeah. So and it's, it's not like Rockaway, which right. is actually changing more, which makes no sense because it's so hard to get to. Maybe it's less of a real estate fight for it, right. you know, yeah. but here the accessibility mm-hmm. will win in the end. Yeah. I mean, the other thing here is people 
are they are staying and they're buying and the things they're buying in this area aren't that cheap because yeah. there's like this Russian market for right, it. Right, right. But if you wanted to rent a place here, you can still find a really good deal. Yeah. I guess it's just a longer commute it's to the city. It's a longer commute on the yeah. train. Yeah, the special city. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where everything is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much anymore, but no. Yeah. I guess it's a, it's also just um, a mentality. It's yeah, yeah. It's probably the biggest part. It's like identification yeah. through like, like locales. I can't live here. Yeah. Right. And you know, I think the stigma of Coney Island is kind of wearing away. Yeah, slowly. I think so too. I mean, we've been I've been taking my son there for years mm-hmm. and years. And, it's so uh, much fun. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so close. Yeah. To then to go all the way out four hours on Long Island mm-hmm. to be in, you know, a house secluded from yeah, anyone else but exactly. here it's like you know yeah and then if you go to jacob reese it's pretty it's empty so it's not yeah too, it's really nice yeah. and it's pretty quiet yeah and, and it's only a few minutes further down i mean it almost looks like you're upstate mm-hmm. so in that little area so right it's really nice yeah. yeah so when did you like did you go to a specific middle school high school did you settle in in that um i went realm? to uh, middle school in the city in chelsea um, and that's when my parents were in Cobble Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I went for the whole time, maybe. Or maybe the first year we're somewhere else. I don't remember. Um, there's a, a lot of schools in the middle of this. So um, I went to high school first at Kingsborough here. Mm-hmm. And then I went to... Baruch High School afterwards? Yes. We moved to the city. Now I remember. We moved to <laughs> we moved to the city um, to Murray Hill for my last three years of school. And I went to Baruch. And the principal of that school was my principal in my um, school for junior high school. So she like made this high school. Mm-hmm. Um that's why I think it was easier for me to get in there because the, the people who went to that school had priority. Moved over, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did go there for three years, which is, I mean, a long basically time the whole you. time. Yeah, for almost you, the whole a- time. But I do think it was um, a better school to be in than being here mm-hmm. for school just because I was in the city and the right. things you did outside of school were more interesting. Yeah. Um, did you, were you exposed to art there? And I mean, is that... Did you start taking classes? or? Well, it wasn't an art school. We had an art class. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go to LaGuardia, right. but um, we were living, when I first applied, in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. So it was far, and my parents did not want me to commute. And Which you can understand. Imagine that commute. It still upsets me. Yeah. Um, I didn't even <laughs> apply, but I did apply to apply, so I got a rejection letter, and it was just like, so, you know, like... Oh, yeah. Because you got it just because your name was on the list. Right. So it was, like, very upsetting. Um, but, so, no, I didn't go to an art school. Um, I mean, now that I think about it, my teacher was probably a working artist, mm-hmm. um, a young working artist. Um, we had art class probably once a week, so... But you knew, like, you... You liked art class. That was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was your time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It were there other creative things you were doing, too, like dance or music or anything else? Or was it pretty much that was your, um, your jam? 
that was my thing. Mm-hmm. Like I was, that was the one thing that I was actually like good at, you yeah. know, in every other class I was fine. So, and outside of, I mean, I took dance classes when I was younger, but I had no like ambitions to be a dancer. Yeah. Um, I don't have a musical ear, unfortunately. So there was no like instruments or anything, unfortunately. <laughs> um, just no talent whatsoever in that. Um, so it was all art. Yeah. So did you, when you were getting ready to graduate, did you think art school? (laughs) Finally, I'm I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Um, So I was sure that I was going to go to Cooper Union. I was in the school that had no artists. We had art class, so I thought I was the best artist ever. Right. You're like, I got it made here. I was just like, I'm "I'm so good. Um, (laughs) So I didn't apply anywhere except Cooper Union. We actually took classes at Cooper Union when we were in high school, uh, a couple of my friends and I. Like, they had, like, these um, weekend things you can apply to. Yeah, and, I Saturday mean, school sort of thing. Yeah. Things. yeah. Um, and you thought even more so, like, okay, yeah, my, just, here's yeah, my gateway. Yeah, this is my place. Like, right. I have all these connections here. They know me. <laughs> um, so I did apply there. And I was just waiting to get my acceptance. Um, I got waitlisted, mm-hmm. which was exciting until I got rejected. Um, and then I had like maybe a few weeks before I was supposed to start college, right. before I was supposed to start Cooper Union. Um, and I applied to Hunter mm-hmm. just because I knew I could get in quickly. I didn't even know that they had an art program mm-hmm. that was good. Yeah. I didn't know anything. Um, so I went there and I did not major in art at first. I was there for about five years, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, because it took a while. Um, the victory lap, we call it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you couldn't do that if it wasn't a city school. Right. Um, so I went there. My parents encouraged me to find something... Um, Lucrative? Practical. <laughs> right, right, right. Close to art. Res- you know, responsible. Responsible and, you know, something creative. where you can be creative. Yeah, but still get a paycheck. But still, yes. And then you could always do art on the side. Right. So at first... I it's was, so sweet, isn't it? It's like the, every parent tells yeah. their, their art major kid, like, you know, it's great that you want to do something so great, creative. Yeah. Just find something where you could get a job. Right. Which is, as a parent, I get it. Like I you do don't get want it. your kid to, like, starve. Starve and, on the street. Or just be hustling endlessly. Yeah. And, you know. Um, yes, it was good advice, but like at the time, like if I knew that you don't have to listen, like I was still too young to, like I knew later on that if I applied to LaGuardia, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have stopped me from going, but I still had that feeling of like, you have to do the right things and you, you can't like not do what you're told kind Mm -hmm. of uh, up to a certain point. But, um, so I did, I majored, I think my first was media and uh, like a minor in, I don't even think my minor was art at first. Maybe it was because you had to have one. I don't remember, but it wasn't like a serious thing. Media um, like media, like television media. Like print, working print media. for a magazine because right, right. it's creative yeah. and lucrative and, you know. Yes. Um, so I did that and I took a lot of classes, but all the classes I picked were kind of like, you know, just analyzing, like, um, like basically criticizing the media of yeah. all forms of media, right, television, right. like everything that's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this isn't actually something I would want to work in. Um, but and I, and I did a lot of internships, a lot. Yeah. 
the worst experience. Oh, yeah, exposed I mean, you to what you didn't so want much. to do. Right? Yeah, well, even just working in an office, like just even if it was a kind of a little bit more of a fun office right. environment, it was so scary. Um, just, well, that's good. You knew it wasn't your environment. Yeah, but I had to do, I did um, MTV, Time Out. I worked for the Maury Povich show. Oh, boy. That's the deep end of the pool there. Wow. Um, <laughs> that may have been the most fun, actually, because yeah. all you did was answer the phone calls for future guests and wrote down names of people who seemed interesting. Right. Yeah, so... Boy, that screening process. Yeah. And then it was fun. Um, but then I took... We had to take electives, and then I took an art class again, and... I took it just because, oh, it's obviously going to be easy for me. It'll be fun. Something I can do. Yeah, yeah. I can do it, and I don't have to, you know, like, add extra work. Um, and then I was just really liked it. I was like, wait a second. You caught like, the bug. It was like, no, 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 yeah. no. This isn't going to work. So I just, at that point, I made it my, I think I just changed it into my major. So I never got a BFA. I got a BA. Mm-hmm. So the shorter one, because then it would have been six years of Hunter. Right. Um which actually would have been fine now that I think. Like, why didn't I do that? I don't know. But you don't really need a BFA. You don't, but it would have just been fun to have more art classes. Yeah. Um, and at Hunter, which is a good school, and it would have been so cheap to do that. Um, anyway, um, but then you also don't really need an MFA. You could have just done the BFA yeah. at Hunter. Um, that's a the whole things other, you learn. The things you learn <laughs> way too late. Right, right. Um, but I really liked it, and I had a lot of good classes. Um, good teachers? Like a, a good experience? with A lot of, yeah, they were just good classes. Yeah, good teachers. Yeah. Um, and even ones that I didn't expect to like so much. Like we had a, I had a color theory class, I remember, with uh, Robert Swain. Mm-hmm. And it was, I actually think I learned so much from that class. That it, like just like it's just there now when yeah. I paint, um, that was very useful. Yeah, those little. It's funny. I think when you first start getting into it and start taking those mm-hmm. classes, you think, "Oh, I want to take like the advanced painting class. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's yeah, fun." Yeah, yeah. Not the intro right. foundation stuff, mm-hmm. but the foundation stuff is where you learn so much. Yeah. important. I kind of wish I had more material. of that actually. Yeah. Like I kind of wish that's what grad school was. Really? Yeah. Or like whatever school. Like that was the school I did. Right. But I didn't know. Here's so. what happens if you mix a little of the complementary yeah. color into your red. Yeah. You know? That's exactly what I think is really important. Even if you'll never really use it so obviously. Right. You know? And the funny thing too about foundations classes is usually, you know, they're taught as foundations at mm-hmm. the beginning of your education, but your mind at that point is not ready for that no. real tactile material you mm-hmm. need to ingest. Yeah. Because you're just a cauldron of like you know hormones and emotions and overwhelmed and yes socially inept and you know it's it's hard it's like education is wasted yeah it is right backwards yeah they you should just go into those intro classes and just the the teachers should tell you just do whatever you want go crazy and then you get the foundations later but of course that's antithetical to creating something yeah successfully (laughs) i mean it's also just because well first of all i feel like you end up taking a lot of classes you don't need or don't even want that are forced on you you know like you just have to fit these requirements but you might actually really want more you know English classes Mm -hmm. and I just don't know why you have to do things the way that they set it up yeah but not all schools are the same but yeah but so many kids who go in saying like I'm a painter I want Mm -hmm. to do that 
and they're forced to take these other art classes that aren't in mm-hmm. the painting program, right. take a sculpture class and be like, oh, oh yeah, man, yeah, yeah. this is it. Mm-hmm. But if they weren't forced to take those other That's classes, true. they wouldn't. But I just that. mean like certain science classes. Like I think I had to yeah. take like four. I know it's, it's great, but again, like maybe I might want to do this on my own later right. or something. I don't know. Like all, it was all at the wrong time, basically. That's life, isn't it? That's life. Um, yeah. <laughs> Everything's wrong. Like coming to the United States at 18. Yeah. Great for energy levels, but I imagine with a kid and like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe no, no. mentally difficult. Yeah. Not to assume, but I just. No, I think it was definitely very difficult. I think it was difficult for everyone who came here at kind of any point. I mean, less for me, actually, mm-hmm. as a five-year-old than like, you know, the elderly people yeah. who came here. Like their lives were just like broken at yeah. such a late, you know, they couldn't, they, a lot of them thought they were going to work here, like at a certain age. And it was just impo- like, who's going to hire people who can't speak English? Right. It's just very hard. So a lot of things are hard. Yeah. No it's one not, said it was going to be easy. not easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, but you went to Hunter. I went to Hunter. And you focused, basically, and you realized... Yeah, towards okay, the is... end, I definitely realized what I was going to do. And then so. you thought grad school when you graduated? Yes, um, I took and a how, year. how was the... Uh, what did your parents think about that prospect? Um, I they think kind of like it because it's a more prestigious degree. Of course. But it's more money. They always showed off about, like, someone being an art. I mean, they right. were always, like, proud of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they were very scared... Um, yeah, they were just like, if you're going to do art school as your graduate, then you have to like take out loans because right. it's just like a crazy yeah, thing to do. Right. Um, well, that's good because you could have had the not proud of it and that you're ruining your life at the same time. Yeah. There's plenty I mean, of parents who probably other people are like, there what are you, those days. What do your kids do or what's yeah. your kid do? And they're like, I, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was never like, I mean, they took me to museums since I was little. Yeah. It's partially their fault. I mean, all every week, basically. They exposed you to yeah. it. Yeah. And they, they were exposing themselves a lot because they came here and they want it to be like part of this culture mm-hmm. and like um it was exciting for them that yeah. we had like the met and you know well, that was the other question i wanted to ask you is when you were going to school in the city i mean i never went to a art school mm-hmm. b i never went to a school in new york city right what's it like i mean isn't it you're seeing it are you a seeing lot. a ton of stuff yes and is it easy to concentrate on like your artwork when there's so much going on at that age? Oh, do you mean in college? Like yeah, like at Hunter. Oh, at Hunter. Like, isn't there just a million things going on that that make you want to just go check out, and not be in your studio? Um, well, when I was at Hunter, it wasn't like I had a studio. It was undergrad. Um, I think nothing really changed from even high school. Like, I always went to look at art, but it was mm-hmm. never, like... I didn't know about all the galleries. I wasn't, like, aware. I was Isn't never... Funny? Yeah, it it's is like funny. This, like, this whole world yeah. that I didn't know anything about. I wasn't friends with a lot of artists mm-hmm. because I didn't go to LaGuardia, so I didn't grow up with, like, the kids who right. were always into art. Not that they're all artists now. I'm just right. saying... But like, they would have, like, been like, let's go let's down the go Chelsea. check this out. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know anything about that, which I don't know if that's a bad thing, actually. Right, right. Um... And but, everyone goes to museums. Yeah. It's like when you go to, to a museum. new town, what do you do? Well, let's look for the museums, yeah. you know. It's you not like, help. well, yeah, but I mean more so than like, Absolutely. you're not going to, you know, no. South Korea and being like, let's hit up the local gallery no, scene, no, unless no. you're like a hardcore unless, artist. Yes. Um, so you went to the museums and you it was that ba- stuff. And it's funny because even now, my first choice is going to the museum mm-hmm. um, to look at art for like inspiration. Yeah. So... 
um, that's my priority. Well, your work seems in dialogue with yeah, maybe uh, more historical yeah devices and painting than maybe some other people right to say. Okay, yes, that's very fair. Um, (laughs) I look at I go to galleries too, but I have more fun at the museum. Well, I'd imagine there's a lot to mine there, you know. Yeah, and and it's exactly yeah. Um, So yeah. It wasn't hard. In grad school, I still feel like I wasn't going as much as maybe other people were. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not really something I do as much as they tell you you should do. Yeah. You know? Um, I'll make a point to go, like, once every week or two Mm -hmm. to see art. But I won't leave. Like, like I know I, I have a lot of friends who, like, are seeing something almost every day. And I don't... be too much, though, right? I think it's too much. Um... That was your question, right? Is that too much? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, because, you know, I went to undergraduate in Pennsylvania. I never really went to the galleries. I think I went once or twice on a trip to New York. I think that's And then even in grad school, Mm -hmm. I wasn't in New York. So, you know, you're not, you know about certain artists or you can see things in magazines and stuff. But, you know, you're not like inundated Mm -hmm. with all these different... Well, it'll all just go into your brain and then come out when you work. So it can't be too much. And sometimes, I mean, that's what certain people's work is about, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I want my work to be like from like my kind of soul. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's hard. It's like it's probably like cooking. Yeah. Like you could, you know, cook from your local farmer's Mm -hmm. market of the ingredients that you're familiar with. Yeah. Or you could go to a gigantic grocery store every day and just mess around with new things all the time mm-hmm. some people would say there's something nice about your restraint and like yeah. working with certain ingredients and other yeah. people would say well there's something more experimental you know it's yeah. both sides of the coin really both sides you yes. just have to be good at navigating both right and so. you have to know what works for you yeah so and not just be tooling yeah. around like, and I just think you can't do everything and be good at like something you have right. to like focus so for me, it was very hard. I also didn't enjoy going places all the time, and I don't like commuting. Mm-hmm. So I like had to find a way that I would do it and not feel like it was a chore. Like it was actually a pleasure yeah. to do things. And what? When were you in graduate school? I finished. I graduated in two thousand ten. Okay, so you had the internet. Yeah. I mean, there were things. I was around. looking. Oh yeah, yeah of course. It, it is different though, but yes, I was looking. Not to date me, but I mean, when I was in grad school, like the internet wow. wasn't really kicking mm. as well as it's kicking yeah, now. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of saw things through catalogs and yeah. magazines. And, and you'd know what you want to go see. Right. You wouldn't have to see everything. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not bombarding you. Like every right. click of the mouse is right. like a new possibility, right. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. when what happened once you graduated grad school? Um, uh, well... I was very scared. Um, it was like the worst feeling. Like when you suddenly realize, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people say this. This like has floor, to be the normal experience. The floor goes out from under you. Yeah. I mean, I remember calling my professor who I was friends with mm-hmm. and just being like, I don't understand. Like what's going to happen now? <laughs> like I'm not going to have like a show. Like mm-hmm. what? And it's funny because now, like, that's so great because I was not ready, like, at all for yeah. any of that. But at the time, it was like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to, what am I supposed to do for the next, like, forever, maybe, right. you know? Because so. the framework is gone. 
no, don't know anything. Yeah. No one's like coming into your room telling you how great you're doing or how special. I mean, like no matter what they say, you're special because someone is coming into your room to talk to you about your work. Right. Regularly, you could even request it. You know, I right. mean, it was just so scary. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I try to tell students about that. That they should know. It gets because there's a lot of students who'll be like, "I'm so sick of critiques and being in this place, <laughs> and I just want to get out." I'm like, not only is it nice to have a studio for free, a but b, oh it's going to get really quiet when you get out of this place. Yeah. So you should take it in. Yeah. But it, it is it is hard to see the forest from the trees. You know, it's it's very hard. I wasn't expecting it at all. Oh God. So when you moved. <laughs> Or wait, you were living at, at home. home. Yeah, living at home. Well, see, living at home in New York City thing is different than a living at home in like Fine. you know suburban Philadelphia. Or something. Fine, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, it's a different real estate climate here that makes yeah. that a necessity. I mean, yeah. If I wanted to work, you know, full time, I could live somewhere else and yeah. have a studio and buy never my own have time, food. Never and, have time to work in the studio. Yeah, but I yeah. just didn't. I just didn't understand how I could do that and also make stuff like right. it just made no sense to me. people do it I know people who work like crazy um, I don't think they make as much work as they would want to though so of course yeah so that was uh, a choice uh, I mean and I have obviously Russian parents so there was no like you need to move out it was like I think they were would be fine if I just stayed there forever right, yeah I mean really forever yeah. um but then there's like these rules you have to like kind of follow. Like you can't make a lot of noise at night because you're waking people up, and they're yeah, it's just it's hard. Studio but, visits, you were like, oh, here's mom and dad. Yeah, no, there were no. I mean, there were studio visits, I guess, but not often. And yes, my parents were there. Yeah. So it's funny. Right. Um. So how long were you working at home before you moved out? Moved out. Um. I was. I moved out when I was 25. Um, and I graduated, I guess I was 22 mm -hmm. or 23 or something like that. Yeah. And how did you start kind of, did you have the community through the people at school or were you building a new community of artists? Um, how did you sort slow. of get out there? Yeah. It was really slow. I am friend, very good friends with, um, one person, well, two, two people that I was in school with. So mm -hmm. I feel like that's actually a lot in a way. Yeah. Um, one of them is one of the people that runs Honey Ramka. Mm -hmm. um, so we really stayed close for a really long time, which is kind of crazy now to think about it. Um, when I was there, when I left, I didn't think that I like built any kind of community. But then, it, like, you know, I'll see people from school that will go see shows together. And so they're part of my world. I've curated shows with people from mm -hmm. school. Um, and then, and also, there really weren't a lot of figurative painters at Pratt. So I felt like I was, like, the only one, kind of. I really was, I didn't know there was this, like, whole other world of art, even after grad school, because that's not, that wasn't, like, the thing at Pratt. Right. Um, so that took a really long time, maybe years, where I didn't realize that. And then one of my professors, her big advice actually was that, was just like the only thing you can do now is like find people whose work you connect to and yeah. make friends with them. And that will be like the circle of people, you know, that will help each other right? in one way or another. Well, and it's you, so true. I feel like these days, you know, um, there's so many people who are connected to or friends with artists whose work is nothing like their work, right. but they're still championing each other's work. Mm. And I mean, is that... 
That's definitely, I mean, it would have to be like that at Pratt because I was the only figurative painter, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, not the only, but where it felt like that was the main thing about right. my work. If um, it was figurative, it was like with abstraction, yeah, with like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Nestled in other things. Yes. Um, Which is funny because figuration right now is, you know, it's very prominent. It's all right. Over. Again. Yeah, I mean it, it goes in and out. It, well, it's always there. Yeah, it's just yeah, whether yeah. there's a little more zeitgeist around yeah. it or not. Which is what it was when I was in college too. Yeah. Actually, that was the last time that it was like all about figure painting. Like yeah, John Curran, all these right. people. That was exactly I remember that so well. Yeah. So um, that's what I was hearing about when I was in school. Yeah. Actually, um, look at these people. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh, you could do that. Hmm. Um, but then it went away, and then now it's slowly that again, right. kind of. Yeah. As well, now it's everything. So, like now, all kinds of art are yeah, the thing. Yeah, anything goes. It like doesn't even make sense. So, which is, I guess, good for everyone. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just mean I don't think there's any one thing that's standing out. Right. Like when you look around. Yeah, I mean the last sort of moment. I think those moments or it's phases over, are yeah. just—they're just created by the me- right. or created yeah. by people, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Like process-based abstraction right. is big or whatever. But right. there was plenty of people showing figurative mm-hmm. paintings and representational paintings yeah. at the same time. It's well, it's also now there's so many places to look, mm-hmm. like for what's yeah. happening. So if you decided to, like, I could be in a world where it's only figurative painting. I don't want to be, but I just mean yeah. like you can kind of think that's the whole world and yeah. find enough information just about that and well then, think about I mean, music there's like yeah. neo folk you yeah. can just live it's in that everything. world exactly you know or if you're just into hip hop you yeah. can just go hip hop exactly so so yeah you can it's, it's all happening it's all the happening at once. it's just where the lens is getting yeah. like zoomed in different exactly. places but um but yes finding people that I liked took a while too and because I didn't live where the other artists were living yeah. so it took more effort mm-hmm. and it built slowly so yeah which is also kind of nice well let's talk a little bit about your paintings too okay so figurative paintings yeah have you you've always been interested in a figure yes. in your work and always. you it seems I'm judging by the the notes that I've read about mm-hmm. you and, and, you know, and seeing your work that it's in dialogue with a certain sort of, I don't want to say group of painters, but certain painters and certain historical painting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's um, like I could imagine like rattling off a list of influences that you might have. Right. But I'm sure you're influenced by a lot more than that. Right. So what is, you know, what is your work kind of um, tapping into and you work small scale a lot too what does mm-hmm. that mean you know can you talk a little bit about um okay well the small scale a lot of it's about my workspace and my the convenience Logistics, of it yeah. yeah I mean I've always tried to do as little preparation and as little like setting up as possible because like if I know that I have to do certain things I won't work as much Mm -hmm. so like I like having my desk and the painting there so like I can just come sit down and paint right away Um, everything has to be ready so that's part of it I like working fast um, and I like finishing a painting um, as quickly as possible like like that feels like it keeps it fresh so that's also part of why I don't like working big Um, even if I wanted to work big I couldn't because I don't have the room for it but um, the last time I worked large was at Pratt, and I made gigantic watercolors. Mm-hmm. That were that was my thesis show, um, and that was when I worked on the floor at my parents' house. 
so I couldn't really do that since. Um, now, if you got a residency where you had a gigantic studio, would you feel compelled to work big? I don't think so. Not like, too big. Maybe a tiny bit bigger than, you know, just yeah. to try. But it's not about that anyway. I mean, I actually love small paintings, yeah. um, so it's not that important to me. Right. So, I mean, at one point, when I first finished, I, I was working watercolors, um, basically since my last year of Hunter. Mm-hmm. So until I graduated, that was all I did, like small and large, and actually mostly large watercolors. Um, and then when I graduated, it didn't feel like there was any point to work large anymore um, because I just didn't think I was going to be showing it to anyone and it was just filling up so much space. So I started working really small mm-hmm. for a while and then I just got a little bored of just doing watercolors for the first time in a decade. <laughs> uh, so it took a while to right. get bored. And then I started um, working with acrylic paint and I couldn't do oil either because I can't work in oil at home. Um, and I also like acrylic and I figured out how to like keep them also working fast. Right. So, yeah. And then are you working from observation a lot or are you working from photographs? I take photos. Um, until about a year ago, I was working from family photographs. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would go through the images that I already had, um, and paint from those. And then after another like 12 years I got bored mm-hmm. so I started and I years. think I mean it was a while yeah. yeah um but I mean it always felt different and I always told myself that it doesn't even matter so much like it just something like that I feels like important to me and I could always look at it and it's always changing like I would paint from the same photo many times yeah and, and you yeah. you get a feeling when something runs its course yeah you know? so it finally felt that way and I think now that I think about it I mean, getting, like, an iPhone was part of it because I was taking pictures all the time anyway, so just for fun. Right. And it was, like, so easy to do it. You know, I didn't have to, like, develop film or even, you know, I don't know, Photoshop it or something, like, things I'm not very good at. Um, So I just started taking pictures and painting from them, and now I'm, like, you know, I set up the way I want it to look, and I have more control. And it's been more fun also because, um, like, the images are fresh every yeah. time, you know, so... And are they just pictures from your environment or, like, where... Always in my environment. Um, usually I'm in them or my husband's in them. For now, um, that's what it's been. Um, and it's been a pretty short time based on right. like, how long it takes me to get tired of something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's either in our home, it's always interior... And when we travel. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of travel photos as well. Well, it seems I like your, I mean, family environment and um, how you navigate that has yeah. been such a giant. Yeah. I mean, it's a big part of everyone's life, mm-hmm. but yours has been active. Right. And um, I don't want to say shocking. I mean, you just, you've always had. <laughs> like, no, no, shocking in the sense that like you're always getting a shock of the system of like. Right. Oh, I'm starting to feel comfortable, and then we're moving. Oh, I was going to this school, and now I'm in this gigantic right. school. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm in this neighborhood, and now I'm moving to that. Right. You know what I mean? It's like always this kind of like readjusting mm-hmm. to. Well, also moving countries. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it makes sense that the subject matter are things that are personal, mm-hmm. like your environment, your the yeah. people, family photos, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you, um, you want the viewer to kind of get? 
without really knowing it? Maybe just the feeling of that within the paintings? And is it the tied feeling. to the way that you're making the paintings? Like, what is the technique that you're using to paint these paintings say about the subject matter? Or what's the dialogue mm-hmm. between the way you're painting mm-hmm. and what those paintings mean or what they're about? I mean, that's a hard question. I think that I try to make it as much about this like feeling as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't paint a certain way intentionally. Like, I feel like I'm just painting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, it keeps changing as I go. But I feel like, like the way I paint now feels like the thing I learned by making paintings. Like, not... Like, because I'm deciding to make a certain style of painting. But the reason, like, I'll look at a million things... I mean, not a million things, but I'll go to the museum and it feels like you look like, you know, a hundred paintings in one day. And they all kind of, like, go in. And so some of that will come out in the work as well. Like, none of it's, like, planned. And I don't want it to be planned. Or, like, I don't want to think about that too hard. You know, right, like, there's a kind of an intuitive reaction yeah, to you what want you're that. saying. Yeah, that's what I want. But and obviously I'm, a dialogue with art. Of course. Well, that's, you know, with yeah. like the history yeah. of art. And well, unless I closed my eyes to it, I wouldn't be able to not have that dialogue, I think. For right. Me. Yeah, yeah, it's just there. Um, and it's not just paintings. It's like also movies. Like mm-hmm. I choose the things I watch on purpose. Um, and unfortunately, there's also the things that you look at like, you know, online that are not so, I don't know, necessarily useful, or maybe they are, but they come into it too, and yeah. they're kind of silly things. And, it's just visual know, stimulus. It lot, can be and there's so much high now. and low and everywhere in between. And sometimes very low and just like <laughs> such a waste of time, but that's probably even like, you know, the thing you look at more, or I look at more than art, because right. you don't have to go anywhere and... So all of it's in there and I know that but I also I just want like the weight of like how I feel to be in the work. And, well, I uh, imagine too that with these small kind of like intimate sized paintings mm-hmm. that you're doing that are real hands-on mm-hmm. there's a certain, you know, directness and an intimacy with the subject matter that yeah. responds to your relationship to the people and places right. that you're painting. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, just scrolling through a feed right absolutely everything getting shown to you in, yeah in that no, sense very different but which is really the case for you know art at this point mm-hmm. you know because we have so much visual stimulus that yeah what it really seems to have a power is is it's you know directness it's mm-hmm. handmadeness you know it's right. and that's really seems like integral to your work yeah well and i think that it's the one time that you get to it's like kind of like you're meditating you know like you're not somewhere else like looking at things and it's your own you know yeah you're making you're making something not everything's being shown yeah and you're not bombarded it's like this like weird silence kind of that happens i love it yeah it's so nice we're lucky that we have that i think it's my favorite i think that's why people well, I don't want to make a sweeping statement like this. I, I think a lot of people feel like empty in a way because they're always just looking to be filled, like to yeah. get that filled. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that stimulus is just, you know, surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but when you're actually sitting there making something yeah. for a long time, mm-hmm. you have a different kind of connection to it. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. Yeah. I feel More bad for people who don't get yeah. that, you know. Yeah. More than at any time ever. 
Yeah. Like, like yeah. people who love movies, they just, they see one and they just want to see the next one that's coming mm-hmm. out. Because imagine making a movie, that process. Yeah. Spending like two years on something. Mm-hmm. Working with all those people. I know. You really connect differently than. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. But yeah, I got that sense from your work that it was about the personal, the sort of, the time it mm-hmm. takes to make it, the time between these, you know, personal connections to the history of painting and right. that kind of time dialogue yeah. going on. And then I would imagine in a certain sense you you might feel slightly displaced, you know, uprooting at five and yeah. going to a totally different place. And that there's something rooting about being able to spend that time with the image with the people that I you're so, around, yeah. you know. Not to dive too deep into the psychology of your painting. But it's what it's about, I mean. Yeah. And they are psychological, I paintings I think so mm-hmm. I, I don't mind talking about that I mean and I feel like I am kind of like it comes kind of from a dark place mm-hmm. too you know like kind of like the worry about death and like the stress of everyday life and then like worrying about wasting time and there's like all of that and I kind of want those feelings in there too I mean they don't look like extremely dark paintings either but anxious but anxious which is I would say the first word to describe me would be like kind of like this anxiety (laughs) that's over everything well that's I mean it's it sounds like you've had some pretty but nothing um, horrible really I mean just like the they're like normal str- well I guess maybe it's like more stressful type of things happening but nothing crazy I just right, feel well, like my nature is to be very anxious well imagine like you know there's a cat on the tabletop mm-hmm. right and you just sit there and you just keep poking the cat or bumping right. the table mm-hmm. over and over yeah. and over again and it creates a different kind of unrest than if just it's sleeping there every day and one day right. there's a giant explosion outside that mm-hmm. scares the crap out of it yeah like yeah that was that really terrible. really yeah. terrible and shocking mm-hmm. but it's worse to just be sitting there never being able to relax. That's true. Because it's like a, a it's almost like that anxiety is just becoming mm-hmm. part of the fabric of your being. Right. Instead of just the one time like, whoa, shock to your system. Yeah, that's like, true. Okay, that's over. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's almost like the slow burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. No, <laughs> it's true. But, and also in high school, September 11th happened, which... I mean, it's not like it's part of my work directly, but I think that was a complete, like, life-changing... I mean, for everyone yeah. in the country, I'm sure, but in pe- kids in New York City, it was, it was just, like, so crazy. Yeah. Like, everything felt like it changed after that. Just, like, your innocence kind of was gone. Right. So... Yeah, that was a big... That was I mean, the I, explosion. Yeah, I had, <laughs> I had that moment, too, because, you know, I was, like, on the in my apartment and you know I got a phone call and I went to my roof and I could mm-hmm. see the second yeah. plane hit the tower so yeah. you know and being so close to it I yeah. think I remember for years after that being nervous going oh over my the bridge God. I'm nervous when I think an airplane's too low yeah it's just every time it's now yeah. it's part of the you know yeah fabric of your psychology in a way yes yeah. so can't shake that no Endless damage done there. Endless <laughs> what damage. What are you going to do? You know? There are nothing. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> complain make, about everything. Make artwork. Yeah. <laughs> make artwork and complain. Yeah. So do you feel, <laughs> because you have such a nice setup here and mm-hmm. it's so... So true. It almost feels like upstate in mm-hmm. a way. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're, But you are a little off the beaten path. I mean, right. not far, but yeah. like you were saying, it's difficult to really kind of like... 
you know, that community aspect sometimes when you're a little further away. Yeah. I mean, is it something, but do you feel comfortable to where you think this is definitely where I want to work? Do you mean forever? For, well, or, or for the long-term future? I mean, as long as I'm living here, I think I'll be working here. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I want, um, I don't know if I want to spend my whole year every year in, I, I mean, I don't, we travel, mm-hmm. um, but I would like ideally to be here half the time and half the time somewhere else because I've noticed that when I'm away, um, I feel healthier and saner, Mm -hmm. um, which makes me a little suspicious about New York York city. City. I mean, I have a lot of complaints about New York city. Actually. Um, I feel like you almost like just have to be here part of the time. It helps a lot Mm -hmm. as an artist. I'm, I'm sure there's other ways, but this is like the one I know. Right. Um, and there's culture. There's so much culture. Diversity. Yeah, diversity. Yeah. Which, I, which I was going to say, yeah, when we go to Italy, there's almost no diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much art and great food and the sun, the light. The air. The Don't air. The, air. <laughs> the clean food. Nice yeah. people. Um, Look, beautiful there's a good, towns. There's a good and bad thing to, aside to everything, I feel like. you know. Sure. New York um, has a really great way of showing you its bad times at times and its good times. Yeah. It's a severe kind of back and forth. Very severe. Um, And I've been reading a lot of Henry Miller, Mm -hmm. and it made me, he made me realize that it's okay to kind of hate it, you know, because he really hated it. Wait, didn't Um, Seinfeld teach you that? (laughs) Well, do you you think he really hated it? Well, there's things that drove him crazy about. Yeah, but in a funny way. Right. I feel like Henry Miller hated it. Oh, yeah. Like he just thought it was like a place to rot, you know? Like, Seinfeld needed New York City. Yeah, yeah. So, no, he loved to hate yeah, the parts that yeah, he Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's most New Yorkers who actually love New York, right. in a way. Yeah. Um, it's almost like your language, you know? Yeah, like, you have to complain, and everything's right. terrible, and the trains are bad, and right. traffic, and blah, blah, blah. But if you put them in the suburbs in Ohio, they would go crazy. Right. Yes, but if you put me, like, outside the country, like, you know, south of France, I wouldn't oh, yeah. go crazy. Yeah, I no. just wouldn't. I know that now. Yeah. So. Well, that, it sounds like the easy thing to do here is just get you a summer house in the south coast of France. So easy. But I that guess. is kind of my goal. Something like that is my goal. Um, instead of, you know, spending more money on a place somewhere more central in New York right. and renting a studio. Yeah, yeah. And that was also a part of it is like, I can either work a lot and pay for a studio and live somewhere closer to where everyone is or like we can have this place that's further away you can work at home you have more space you have light so it's a choice it is but you know i think these days especially with the the tough economic times of recent years Mm -hmm. that people are becoming a little less uh worked up about the size of their studio or the location right. there's all that crap, mm-hmm. you know that posturing of of course like yeah. oh look at my huge studio yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know and then going Never broke just yeah. to have a big studio and it's just stupid because you're not making yeah. work and you know you're spending all your time trying to afford something that you can't afford yeah well i think that's the big problem with new york in general it's like it's unaffordable yeah. like even at its lowest just like coffee is Five dollars. I mean, yeah, this, it's this insane. Place is, this place it's is not out for of people. Control. Yeah, <laughs> you would really need to live really well, like a real serious job yeah. that would kill you. Right. Or you could go live like a king in some provincial small town somewhere and go crazy. And because go crazy. No yeah, yeah, yeah. No, or so no fun. Or, no. You know, no culture. No. Yeah. 
I mean, this is sounding negative, but I'm not trying, trying to be negative. Well, what's wrong with being a little negative That's true. is my question. That's, That's life, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know if you have a positive attitude, you'll feel better, but it's hard sometimes. It is. It is. At the same time, if I'm in this country, I don't see myself leaving New York City. Yeah. So it would be very hard. I wouldn't want to do that. It is, you know, embracing the negative as we are doing right oh, now. Yeah. You have a really beautiful lit studio right oh my next God. to yeah, the yeah, ocean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think having a little balance of like the negative with the positive also helps at least my work. Like I can't yeah. imagine wanting to paint all the time in a really beautiful place that right. I just want to constantly be outside and exploring and relaxing. Yeah, you just want to so. watch TV on your beautiful couch and your gigantic Something like TV that, yeah. and just sit around. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> so what? Uh, um, let's talk for a second about your work and like where people can see it and okay. where you're, you know. Um, well, I have a show right now up in Hudson, in Hudson at John Davis, which is open until the 25th of February. Did you get to go up there? Yes. You, um, we you went like to Hudson? the opening. I do like it. I haven't spent time there recently, nice. but I have a lot yeah. of friends who. Um, when I was younger, I hated going upstate. It made no sense to me. I thought it wasn't cool. Yeah. Um, but lately, I've been going really often. It's like there's something nice about being in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, See another thing wasted on the youth it's like oh, as you get older yeah, yeah, you're like yeah, yeah. oh this is something this makes sense like it's so quiet and the trees and you can watch them change color um so yeah i do like it um i like a lot of places upstate actually yeah there's a lot to see so so that shows up till the yes. 28th and then i will have a solo show with manya Rowe. it's very um, exciting very 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 exciting um which should be around mid-march and think she'll announce more information soon because she hasn't really told me that much so how um, much of that work have you finished or are you still working see, on are you I, or you work pretty quick though i work quick and i want to always make just keep making work and then choose the strongest like i yeah. won't you know right right um so i'll i won't finish until she comes and right. picks work um and then i will be in a group show that's like a figurative group show mm-hmm. um soon as well i just found out about that so i don't know that much about it but do you know where that's a lot i think it's in brooklyn it's in gowanus cool that's all i know sounds good and then people can follow your work on you instagram Instagram, that's my website your name i'm not going to attempt to spell your last olina barskaya b-a-r-s-k-a-y-a yes yeah so follow you on instagram yes and the show is coming up, so... Very soon, yes. Good luck with it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me over. It's so nice of to course. spend time here. Yes. And get to see your studio. Thank you very oh, much. Thank you. Sound and Vision was conceived, produced, recorded, edited, mastered, and facilitated by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find images that I take from the podcast sessions by going to the images page on the website soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can find even more images on the podcast Instagram feed at soundandvisionpodcast. If you love hearing these artists speak about their life and work, please support the podcast by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It's also available on Stitcher and Google Play. You can even donate to help support the podcast by clicking the donate button on the webpage. The introduction and accompanying music was generously provided by Michael Lovett. 
Michael records as Nazca lines and also moonlights in the band Metronomy. The bio and outro music were provided by Sean Seymour. Sean and his wife Yoshimi are a band called Lolotone based in Nagoya, Japan. Thanks to them and also Jacob Tutu and Logan Takahashi who have also lent music to the podcast. Thanks to all the listeners who share and support the podcast. All this is done by myself without funding and ads, and it really is you all who help spread the word, and you spread it well. Many thanks to all of you and all the artists for sharing their stories and time with me. Thank you.